I thought just before we start, I really just wanted to reiterate the purpose of this cup or this environment or this vehicle. Um, and so the purpose of this discipleship environment is firstly is our transformation. It's about our growth in him, our development in him. So we'll have friendships that get, can, you know, that are formed through this, but that's not the point. That's not the goal. The goal is we come together to seek him. And I've shared this before, and I'll continue to, to share it, that we believe this lie that to have intimacy with one another, we need to know each other a long time. It's not true. Okay? To have intimacy with one another, we need intimacy with him. Your intimacy with one another is found in him, not in one another. Otherwise, you have these codependent relationships can be birthed and formed. And there's soul ties that can actually happen where I need this person because of this person's in my life. I can never move away from that person. And yet Jesus left his disciples, didn't he? He said, I'm going, guys. You better sort it out because I'm going. And, you know, these environments are to grow. So if, if we can't multiply, then, you know, I need to be with Mel my whole time. How are we ever going to multiply? And you know what? No one can come into these groups because that's going to really mess our intimacy that we have up. No, no, no. When all our eyes are on him, we can have intimacy like that. And I don't even know David because we, sh we are looking at the same God. Yeah. And so the purpose of this is transformation, being transformed into his image. What does that mean? We say it, you know, and it's in the scriptures. But what does it mean to be transformed into his image? I believe it's to have his nature. So love, grace, mercy, gentleness. It just comes out of you. You don't have to think about whether you're going to love. You just love. You don't think about whether you're going to be joyous or happy. It's in you. So you have his nature too. Peter teaches us that he has given us his principles, his promises that we may partake of his divine nature. The word became flesh. The word gets come so alive that you're becoming love. Imagine being love for someone else. Imagine what that would look like. You're, you're so, Christ is in you to such a measure that people just encounter love. Wherever you go, they encounter love. They encounter generosity. They encounter a joy and a peace in life. Who's that? It's about having this character. So his nature, his character, and his power. Because the Christ is in us. I pour my power, wait on on high until a power comes in you. That you are able to perform the work that I've called and already ordained for you to do. So I give you everything that you need for this transformation to happen. It's called operating in, in the kingdom of God, operating inside of us. And so we enter into a reality which changes us literally on the inside. And out of that posture, everything flows out of you. All your works are done through that posture. Not a sense of running around, going crazy, and then you're, you're absolutely tired. Like I said two weeks ago, that's a posture of rest. It's like you're a branch that's producing fruit, 
but you're at rest because the branch doesn't produce fruit by itself. It's just experiencing the sap come through it, yet there's this fruit being produced. So the purpose of this environment is our transformation into his nature, his character, his power, which will naturally outflow in a life that does spirit-led works. Okay? Just a couple of scriptures, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18. Now this, where the, I love this. Now the Lord is the spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Spirits inside the church, there is freedom. We sing it. So, Lord, I need a greater measure of you in me. Because I might be struggling in a number of areas that I have at the moment. So I need to be set free from those things. So please pour yourself into me more, whether it's from spirit to spirit or from a revelation through your living scriptures as I read and as the spirit reveals and enters into me, food comes in that breaks that and sets me free from insecurity, jealousy, whatever. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, freedom, but we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord, the Spirit. 1 John 2, 6, the one who says he abides in him ought himself to walk in the same manner as he walked. The one who says he abides in him is to walk in the same manner as the way the Christ walked. Righteousness. Not through the law, through love. To be able to demonstrate a life on the earth that reflects the Christ. Paul said, I imitate me as I imitate the Christ. Paul, I believe, was probably the closest human being that reflected and walked in the manner that Christ walked in. He's so full of the reality of God. He speaks, he's being shown revelations, and he's trying to declare this reality to a people. Because the Christ literally is overflowing out of the man. You see the signs and wonders that he did because of this position that he was in. And yet we look at him we go, well, that might be nice for him, but that's not for me. Wrong. It's for us all to come into a measure of understanding where that measure just gets more fuller. John 3 says it doesn't give the spirit without limit. We limit him. Our thinking limits him. And so, you know, there's just so much more that we are to come into. And part of this, John 4, 23, 24, is, is part of what I just shared because it was last Tuesday. I don't know if you've ever ex- experienced this. It was incredible. I was sort of half asleep, half awake. And as I'm sort of like half asleep, I was probably more half asleep than half awake, literally, John... 23, 24, just went into. And I woke up instantly, went upstairs and started uh, praying in tongues quite boldly, if that makes it, passionately. And then I got on my my phone and I started texting everyone. I texted the elders, we need to get into this. I texted the staff, we need to get into this. I texted my DD2, we need to get into this. Something God wants us to come into in this passage. And there's such an urgency in my spirit for it right now. Now, it's always been urgent. This is what's crazy, isn't it? This has always been urgent, but yet it's urgent now. 
I hope you can hear what I'm saying. And so that's you know, what I want to unpack because it's not just a belief, it's a, it's a, it's a conviction I've got. He talks about true worshippers. Last night I was reading in Mark 4, and it's the parable of the sower. And as you work your way down, and I prayed some of it tonight, he says, you know, these people, they've got eyes, but they'll never see. They've got ears, but they're never going to hear. So all they see and hear, you know what? They're never going to come into this reality. He says, but you, to his disciples and his followers, you, he pulls them aside separately. He says, you. You've been given the spirit to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. I expect you to understand what I'm talking about. That's what he's saying. I expect you to understand, to have dialogue with me, to get this thing. I'm speaking in riddles to these guys, but you should have ears to hear the riddle and work it out. And we see as his disciples, you know, they still aren't quite getting it. They take, he talks about bread. They think he's talking about lunch. And he says this, is your hearts still hardened? He's disciples. And as we know, they haven't yet been poured out the spirit of God into them. That's why it's so vital and important and critical that we are pursuing a pouring out of his spirit. Not a drop, a pouring out. Those men were radically different. Acts onwards to what you see pre-acts. And I'm going to speak to you in these nights as um, maybe, I'm going to say it how it is. Okay? I'm not going to hold anything bad. I'm not going to try and I'll use wisdom, but I'm going to say things that may, my intent's not to upset or hurt, but you know we're here. It's part of what this is about, being in this environment, is that we can actually wrestle and contend and and. And share some things and, and I can reveal things or speak things that the Father's revealed to me that I've held through not wanting to offend or people getting upset or people running away. Because I'm and I'm laying my life down. There is a reality that we are to come into as his people. He asks you to sell your life to find it. And I want to be a voice for it. I want to be a voice, a mouthpiece for him to, to just to keep declaring a reality that can be found because I know I'm not in the full measure of it but I know I'm in a good measure of it and I know the difference that it has made in my life and it's the reason why I stand in front of you today and none other and so let's go to John 4 23 24 Tonight, this isn't about looking at the person beside you. It's not about, oh, that's for those guys on that side of the room. It's not about the third person. Okay? We're great at reading scripture and then trying to figure out the historical points and all this. And we, what we need to do is, what does that mean for me? What are you saying to me? What, what are the changes that I need to make? Am I a true worshiper? So what I want us to do is, I don't want... Anyone to point fingers, look, just grab this. This is a mirror. We're all good looking. This is speaking to me. Okay? So 23. 
But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshippers. 24. God is spirit. And those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. See, there is an expectation that God has here. He is expecting his worshippers, his people to worship in a particular way. Not any way, a particular way. And he has an expectation that his people produce fruit. We see that throughout scripture. I remember having a conversation once with a guy that was sort of in our life group. And he said this, he said, you know what? I'm so grateful that God doesn't expect anything from me, that he just loves me. And I don't have to do anything with that. I'm like, no. Yes, he loves you. And yes, you didn't have to earn that love. And yes, that's how amazing it is. But if you fully come into a revelation of that love, it'll empower you. Everything starts to shift where you have to start doing things. You can't contain it. He's looking at me like, what are you talking about? He said, no, 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 no. I've realized I don't need to do a thing. I can just sit there. No. You see, God has. He's very intentional. He's very specific. He even puts this in an order. Why isn't it truth and spirit? Why is it spirit and truth? So he doesn't make any mistakes. Why is it that Jesus grew up in grace? He comes in grace and truth. Not truth and grace. There's a reason. Church needs to learn it. We're full of truth, but we don't have a lot of love. And they tell us that all the time. You're hypocritical. You're judgmental. You're this, you're that, you're that. Because it's not anchored in love. So why is he saying the people, the, the true worshippers are people of spirit and truth? True worshippers aren't defined by how many services you come to. Won't be defined by if you make every DDT night or every DDT group. Although you want to come to our group because we have breakfast every Friday morning. Vera Anderson, where are you? <laughs> no, you don't. Now we know what you have at your group and... <laughs> <laughs> they have a different spirit there <laughs> I quite like it But we won't go there <laughs> Spirit and truth there's a, lot of, there's a lot of verbal that comes out after it But I don't know how much truth is <laughs> it's, it's not determined by how many times you pray True worshippers aren't defined by being a good person Ticking the box You know what? Lord, I've done all these things. I've done it. I've been good. I've, I haven't done that. I haven't got involved in that. I haven't looked at me. I'm good. No. Not by how much money you give. <laughs> True worshippers are defined through a process of spirit and truth. And God expects to find these people. No different. Jesus expected to see figs on the fig tree. And he, he speaks to the tree and says, you will never produce fruit again. No different to the talents. He expected the man who had one talent to produce something with it. And he comes knocking. He's coming back. What did you do? I've got a reward with me. What did you do? I buried it. Oh. Gives you a passage. I just said it, the parable of the sower. Four environments. 
there are these people that were able to hear the word, receive the kingdom seed, and it produced a crop. But there was the other three environments that couldn't and didn't, or started but got choked up, and so there's no fruit. And then it says this. I'll get the words outright. It says, um, he gives us scriptures in relation to fruit being produced, and whoever has more will be given, but he who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. That's not fear. That's not the Jesus that I read about in Sunday school. You know, he just loves me. What about the Jesus that said, I've come to separate families. I've come to divide. I've come to, I'm looking for a people who will be set apart from the world and all its fleshly lusts and all its fleshly soul ties and all its connections with the world. I'm looking for a spiritual people, spirit and truth, true worshippers who allow me to do a work in them through my spirit and my living scriptures and form me in them who are set apart and then go into the world and try and lead others into this reality. Knowing they can't, they can only model it, pray about it, speak about it, and hope the Holy Spirit or the person's hungry enough to want to actually start asking questions and come into it. These are the people he's looking for. That my wife and my children have been separated from me, and he holds the place in my heart. He holds it, not them. He is my number one. And from that position, I'm free to love them as he would love them, not with my conditional rubbish. Not wanting my children to somehow complete me, so I put all this pressure on them to be something that they don't want to be because that would make me feel completed. Or having to be in their lives or tell them what to do. And No, 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 because I'm free. I've been broken. That has been cut off me. Because I'm connected to him, the rock. Because I'm being found in a spirit and truth posture, which frees me actually from them, but actually makes me more bound to them or connected to them now, but from an accuracy of love, not lust. That's what Sunday was all about, just said differently than what I've just said there. So here's this first thought. The time for these true worshippers to be produced is now. It says, but an hour is coming and now is. He says this, but an hour is coming and now is. The Messiah has turned up. She says, but the Messiah, when he comes, will tell us all things. He says, I am right here in front of you and I'm now telling you what's going to happen. It's now. And like I said before, there's always been an urgency for this, but it's now. You see, I guess my thinking says this. If true worshippers aren't being produced, then false worshippers are. Why say true worshippers? Why not just say worshippers? But he goes to the length to tell you a true worshipper. You can worship yourself. We are created to worship, aren't we? We are created to give our lives to someone or something. Who's it going to be? So a true worshiper worships me in spirit. They've given me, they've given me their lives. We're going to look at the actual biblical term for worship. They are allowing me to do 
this work. He says in verse 22, you worship what you do not know. I wrote down questions and we discussed this at a staff meeting. I said, is it possible to worship someone or something that you do not know while thinking you do? So it's possible to worship someone or something that you do not know, but you think you do. Is it possible to think you are worshiping God when in fact you are worshiping self? Isn't that called idolatry? Anything that takes the place of God in your heart and you are giving more devotion to than him is idolatry. I don't know how many people have said this to me. You know, Greg, I joined the rock because I love the worship. I wish you did. (laughs) I joined the rock because I loved the worship. And when I've unpacked that, you know what they love? The music. I love, I'm not kidding you. Don't want to beef you up. I love these two. And the other guys, I love the voice. I love the voice. Do you hear? Just the other day, do you hear the way God comes out of this guy when he plays? Man, I love the music at the rock. They got slick licks on a good day. <laughs> this was some time ago, um, and I was in my other role. And God started speaking to me about this whole area of music and worship. And you may have heard this, but I sent an email to 40 people. Some were elders, some were life group leaders, some were uh, other people that were, were, were in leadership positions, and some were people that had just joined a community. And I asked this question. I said, if you were looking for a new community, okay, God was leading you out, you're leaving the rock, would you join a community that had great discipleship, great outreach, sort of you know, heartbeat, unity, Great unity, great community spirit, great love of the people that were contending for his word and truth and speaking that to the best they could. But it didn't have music. Would you join it? You know what 97% of people said? No. No, I wouldn't. And I specifically didn't say worship. I said music. Is it possible to worship the music thinking you're worshiping but genuinely thinking you're worshiping because i would say this the modern day expression of worship we say it in our language i I go to worship is this lord i look to you oh it's getting good now oh the feeling's coming it's great (laughs) man they're off today come on man i need to be in this feeling mode come on get me in there do you hear them did you hear them sunday night if you were here on Sunday night or played in the team, you know what we're talking about. We're trying to be led by him and I'm throwing these guys songs and some of the keys weren't quite on, but it had no irrelevance. None. It's not about the music. What's that? But we worship music thinking we're worshiping God. And really, do you know really what it is, I believe? We're worshiping ourselves. We're worshiping, feeling good or having to be somewhere or get this buzz thing going. Now, look, I'm not against music. I love music. You know that. Country music. <laughs> That's one of my loves. I love all sorts apart from classical. Sorry, I, don't, I can't get classical.
so, and one of the things we're, we're trying, trying to work with these guys on is we're here to, we need to be led by the knowing of him, not the music. The music is secondary. No different than anything else. It's a secondary. It's that big. And it aids in me literally just praising him, exalting him. But I don't need music to do that because that's not worship. That's just me praising God. That's coming and telling him how amazing he is and how thankful they are to him. But the Bible says that worship is the laying down of one's life. I wish people came to the rock and they said, man, I love the worship here because I want to lay my life down for Jesus. It would be a completely different reality, wouldn't it? See, this is what he's wanting. True worshippers, a true worshipper is found laying his life down or her life down. Not creating albums. Or, no, well, hear me, I'm not saying there's anything that's wrong in that. If it's led by him, anchored in him, and said by him. But let's not confuse that with worship. And we have. And God's saying true worshipers worship in spirit and truth. Listen to what Amos 5, 23, 24 says. Take away from me noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your harps. But let justice roll down the waters, roll down like waters, and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. You want to get back to what the purpose of the transformation was? Having his nature having his character, having his power. When you walk on the earth like Christ walked, not as a God, but as someone who is full of the Spirit, full of living truth and righteousness, like David did. I will not touch this man, even though he's trying to kill me right now, and I could take him out. And even though my buddy in the cave has said, look, the Lord has brought your enemy here to kill him, I will not touch him. Why? Because there's something in him that's greater than himself. Even at the cost of his own life, he would not touch. And he got convicted because he snipped his little jacket, whatever he's wearing. I mean, come on. How do you stand there and be stoned to death and say, Father, forgive them and utter the same words that Christ uttered? Because you worship in spirit and truth. You're baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. And God, through his scriptures and through walking with one another and contending, is revealing himself into. It's phenomenal. So the second thought, and I better move, I've got three minutes to go. And I've... So how does the Bible define what worship is? Our spiritual act of worship is the laying down of one's life. The giving up of entitlement. Ooh, but I'm entitled. Really? <laughs> yes, because I was born with this thing and I'm entitled. Man, is that, the, is that the culture of the world today? I don't earn anything. I'm entitled to it. No, you're not, young whippersnapper. I'm seeing that about playing my girls. We're entitled. Where's that coming from? They're eight and five. It's the spirit of the kingdom of darkness operating. No entitlement. What's that? Where's my thing? I, I. The giving up of any self-worth or prestige or intellect that you may think you have. The giving up of your dreams, your wants and your desires. The emptying of oneself. Jesus emptied himself and took on the form of a bond servant. 
Serving the will of the Father. Do not have any agendas. Your agenda, my agenda. Your will, my will. Never looked for what is the will for my life. He knew what it was. It was the Father's will. Instantly knew it. Been revealed it. Romans 12, 1 and 2. I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God. Man, I'm urging you. This is Paul. I'm urging to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world. We know these scriptures, but now these have to come alive in us, but be transformed and keep coming alive by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Get your mind renewed, you'll prove. But see, you've got to die first to have your mind renewed. Offer up your body as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Stay on the altar. Don't get off the altar because I want to do a work and my cross is the instrument that's going to do the work in you. Why are you going? I've got an appointment with the doctor. Get back here and stay there. I'm going to do a work. Oh, look, your mind's being renewed now because you stayed on the altar. Now you know what the will of God is. In fact, you can prove it. You're not asking what's the will of God for my life. You can prove it. We won't go there. I will do later on. But The very first time in the Bible the word worship is used is in relation to sacrifice of Isaac in Genesis 22.5. The very first time the word's used, worship, in relation to sacrifice. Who's doing the greater sacrifice? Who's doing the greater laying down one's life? Isaac or Abraham? Who? You think? Is he? Is he the only one on the altar? They both are. Picture this painting. Got a vision for you, Abraham. You're going to have a son. He's going to be the promise that all the nations are going to come through. You won't be able to count how many people are coming through this boy. I'm laying his heart. He wanted a son. He even aborted the process to try and get one, didn't he? Flesh, not spirit, flesh. I want, I want, I want. So picture this. He gets the boy 25 years later from when the word is spoken to now. 25 years. You talk about this entitlement culture. I want it now. <laughs> 25 years. And then at the giving of the promise, not any son, the son, God says, now give him back to me. Because I want to define what's in your heart. Do you love the boy more than you love me? And the Bible says that Abraham had faith. That's why we've got to have faith, sight, to see. Because he knew even if he took him and killed him, he could raise him up. And we know it's a type of Christ. But Abraham has to go, sorry, Abraham has to go through a letting go process. He's got to go through this hard, he's on the altar. Will I give? What if I, what if this is the boy? This boy's He's special to me. He's the heir. I've been waiting for this my whole life. And now you want to take him? Yeah, I want to define whether I can mess up your garden or not. Can I mess up your garden? Did you hear that on Sunday? We're trying to protect the garden. Can I mess that up? Uh, Didn't want to mess it up, but you gave it to me, so there you go, here back. You getting that? Yeah? I never was about messing up the garden. That was your heart. You can have your garden, have your boy back. In fact, I'm going to give you more. 
See, it's never about, it's this. True worshippers worship in spirit and truth. They allow themselves, allow themselves. They allow the cross to do a work. They don't run from the cross, they run to the cross and run through the cross and come into the abundant life of the cross. Final thought, true worshippers worship in spirit and truth. And I said before, it doesn't say truth and spirit, spirit and truth. Pharisees had plenty of truth, didn't they? Plenty of it. Man, I wouldn't mind being able to recite the first five books of the Bible off pat. They had plenty of truth. They just lacked the spirit. See, they, Jesus even said, hey, do what they tell you to do. Just don't do what they do. So they had truth. Yes, do what they tell you to do. Just don't model it. See, you can't model a lifestyle if it's not ignited by the spirit. You can know it in your head, but there's no way you can model it out. And that's what he's looking for. Authentic expression of kingdom life. Not how much knowledge you have. You can be the most knowledgeable person on the planet. Have you got no love? What does it say? Ding. Ding. Thank you. Who likes a ding dong at three o'clock in the morning when you're trying to sleep? Bing. No one. Who is the spirit? God. God is spirit. Who is truth? God. Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life. It's the spirit that brings the truth to life. The truth becomes living, and it's this true knowledge and only this knowledge that transforms us. See, head knowledge doesn't transform you. puffs you up. Real knowledge transforms you. What's the process of DDT? Entering into real knowledge, the personhood, the person. We're a receiving of him through spirit to spirit, through the living scriptures, the spirit reveals the Christ in me has now, I'm in a measure I wasn't in before. And now I can actually give testimony to the overcoming, those who overcome. I'm actually able to share, you know what, I was like this, now I'm like that. I struggle with jealousy, it was gripping me, or insecurity is massive. I struggle with insecurity, it was eating me alive. And by the receiving of more of Christ through a spirit and truth receiving Christ at a greater measure, revelation, I pray the eyes of your heart would be revealed to the knowledge of Christ, the riches of his inheritance that awaits you all. See, Paul knew it, that's why he's praying it, that's why he put it in the book. Because he knows the difference it makes, because he knows the difference it made to him. Look at Paul without the spirit. What do you get? The killer of a church. They're running around in the church today. There's plenty of them. It's both. The greater you have God, Christ, his spirit in you, us, the greater we are able to worship him from this true worshiper posture, knowing that our spiritual act of worship is the laying down of one's life. This is what defines a true worshiper. If we want to find life, we have to lose life. We have to allow the cross to do what it's been designed to do, and that is kill our old nature through a work of his spirit. 
in its ultimate conclusion, worshipping in spirit and truth is one posture. It's worshipping the Father from a place of having the spirit and the truth. God flowing and operating in us. These are the worshippers the Father seeks. See, everything comes back to a position of oneness. Grace, truth, oneness. Spirit, truth, oneness. Faith, deeds, oneness. Father, Son, Spirit, oneness. Apostolic, prophetic, evangelist, teacher, pastor, oneness. It's him in us. That's all it is. The reality of him in us. Not I prayed a prayer when I was 21 and no, no. That starts you on the kingdom transformational process of having him in you reigning in your life through spirit and living truth.